uh, is at work in our youth and to be able to uh, reflect on a week of camp like they had and just rejoice what, I don't know, God's doing in young people. I don't know of any church that's really fully alive unless its youth group is fully alive. And uh, so our efforts to be able to support and champion and cheer um, and pray uh, and model before our young people is so significant. And now that they all left over here, we've got a big section over here. If you want to come up and sort of fill in the front row so I'm not sort of lopsided today, that's all pretty cool. That's all pretty cool. Well, did you survive the heat this week? It got hot. And this morning it was humid. Did you notice it? And I'm like, okay, this is like Midwest weather. This isn't good. If it's going to be hot, it's got to be that dry heat they talk about, right? <laughs> well, I'm glad that you're here today. Every week that I come in and I stand with you in worship and I open my heart to God, I'm reminded that each and every person here, what you need is not a great message, not impactful worship. All those things are helpful. But what you and I need is we need Jesus. And as we're in this series this summer on the fruit of the Spirit, all flavors come from Jesus. And you need Jesus. Any of you in here this morning needing Jesus more maybe this week than you did last week? Maybe something happened, something stands before you. I'm mindful that you need Jesus. And uh, so I'd like us to just pray before we start um, again. There's needs and concerns, and uh, as I lead us in prayer for God's word, um, if you're standing in a place of needing Jesus in particular, maybe you're carrying a burden for someone else, not just issues in your own life, uh, I'm just going to have you stand as acknowledgement, not necessarily before one another, but your need before Jesus, and then I'll pray. Anyone? Just your need to stand. Amen. And that song, I need you, oh, I need you, every hour I need you. Anyone else? Let's pray. Lord, you say that wherever two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in our midst. We need you, Jesus. We need your life. We need your love. We need your wisdom. We need your discernment. We need your strength. Lord, sometimes that's an emotional strength. Sometimes that's a physical strength. But Lord, we need you. Every hour we need you. And I ask Jesus as we look um, at this particular flavor of the fruit of the Spirit today in the area of patience, that we would be able to draw near to you and we would find our substance coming from your very Spirit who dwells within us if we're a Christ follower. And that we would be able to... Um, walk out of here this morning knowing that we've not just met with your word, but we've met with you and that you have strengthened us as we carry on this week for all that you've set before us. And Lord, if there's individuals here who maybe have never had that opportunity to know you, that they would understand that you have all provision that's needed in life and who you are and that a relationship with you is the most vital thing that they can ever consider doing with their life. So, Lord, we love you. Bless your word. Give us attentiveness to what your spirit's saying to us. Use your servant here. 
Speak through me, Lord, but if there's ways to speak outside of me that an individual needs, especially maybe those standing in need of you this morning, then so be it. In your name we ask. Amen. The fruit of the Spirit. Grabbing that fruit and taking that fruit, you have all provision that you need in life through Jesus Christ's Spirit dwelling within you. It's a truth you come back to time and time and time and time and time and time again. It's not something outside of you you need that you're a Christ follower. It's something that dwells within you. Transformation is from the inside out. And so as we walk through the fruit of the Spirit, and oh wow, I forgot my remote. You got my remote back there? Um, As we walk through the fruit of the Spirit during these summer weeks, you're going to identify with maybe one fruit more particular than another fruit. But the fruit of the Spirit um, hits us everywhere. And different seasons of life, it's going to touch on things more than others. So we looked at the fruit of love, joy, peace. And today we look at the fruit of patience. And I think that it's important we have it. Yene, it's not back there. Oh, you're going to have to follow me really close here, Joe. You're going to get to play extra attention today back there. That's great. Um, the fruit of the spirit of patience following on the heels of peace, I think is pretty important because you and I, we're never going to have any patience unless we ultimately have peace. We ultimately have peace. Proverbs 16.32 says this, better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than to conquer a city. The um, famous psychologist and educator John Dewey said that the most useful virtue in life is the virtue of patience. If you have patience, then an awful lot of other things are going to come. But if you're an anxious, impatient kind of person, well, there's going to be a lot more challenges. And you may not agree with that statement, better to be patient than powerful, to have self-control than conquer a city. But if you're able to be a patient, steady-as-you-go kind of individual and let God work in your life and through your life, you will see a multiplicity of things start to come your way and things develop, even though it may not happen in the time that you would like it to take and transpire. I want us to look at some ways that we are tested with our patience. There's the first. The first is interruptions. Interruptions. How many of you love interruptions? I hate interruptions, right? You're focused, you're set, there's things going on, and somebody interrupts your day. Maybe it's your child that comes in to interrupt your day and you're trying to do something. Maybe it's a coworker that's demanding some of your time. Maybe it's just somebody standing ringing your doorbell that wants you to give them attention, and you're like, I am in the bathtub. You know, I'm, I'm enjoying myself. I'm not going to the door for the salesman, right? Interruptions. We do not like interruptions. They test our patience. I think of Jesus. Uh, there, there's this picture I have in mind of Jesus sitting around. Maybe it's on a rock. Maybe it's right. And different people are clamoring to him. And, and he's, he's powerfully teaching away, right? And there's a bunch of kids that run up to him. And the disciples, do you know what the disciples do? They get anxious because don't interrupt Jesus. He's really doing something important now. Get away, get away. Don't mess with his schedule. And Jesus does what? Chill. Let the little children come to me. Right? 
interruptions test our patience. The next is inconveniences. I do not like to be inconvenienced. How about you? We are, I think this whole um, culture we live in, we've, uh, we're bound up with um, immediacy, things at our hand. Uh, like, you know, we want fast food. We want uh, information. Hey, Siri, give me the answer too, right? You know, we're always getting immediate conveniences. And if those conveniences don't come our way, we have a problem. I remember the day my dad walked in our house with the very first microwave. I had never seen one before. We thought it was a television. Yes, I'm old, okay? I think the microwave started to change our perception of immediacy because you just, hey, throw a hot dog in. Wow, 30 seconds. It's cooked. Immediate. And so we like things conveniently lined up for us. And if they're not there, we get impatient. Some of you are impatient when uh, things don't go your way. Maybe it's um, a stoplight. Maybe it's other things that uh, cause you. Maybe some of you don't even like missing a... um, section of a revolving door. I don't know what your issues are. But inconveniences, you know, it's like, you know, we uh, have a tendency to uh, not want to have to do all these other things and do exactly what we want and have what we want. Story of Mary and Martha. Remember, Martha is prepping food for Jesus and the other people in her home. And Mary, her sister, is not helping her. And what does she do? She goes to Jesus and says, hey, Lord, Don't you care that my sister's not helping me because this is inconvenient that I have to be doing the prep and she's in here just sitting at your feet. And Jesus said what? Chill out. She's sort of doing the better kind of thing. We have this this, uh, balling up within, within us that needs things fast and we need them now and we need to move forward with it. The next one, irritations. Are you irritated What do we get irritated by? People. Do you need patience with some people in your life? They bring irritations to you. In fact, you don't even want to go to work sometimes because you know that person's going to irritate you. And you're sitting there going, I need patience and I don't have patience with this one. And irritations come. Here's a list of them. Traffic jams, long lines. Phone calls, misplaced keys, cold food, late planes, flat tires, occupied bathrooms, and neighborhood rock groups. How about that for a list? (laughs) Like that? Irritations. You know, Moses, who is actually a very patient guy in my perception of life, and uh, that was part of it, he got irritated when God said he was supposed to, right? He was supposed to speak to a rock, and the water was supposed to flow. And he was just fed up with the people he had dealt with. They were complaining. He was irritated. And he didn't speak, but he struck the rock in anger. And there's consequences. He didn't get to go in the promised land by that. And you go, that's a pretty mean guy. A little thing like that, irritation, lost his, imp- you know, his impatience. We can all identify with irritations. And then the last I mention is this, inactivity. Inactivity. Uh, whether it's uh, a waiting um, at a doctor's office, maybe it's it's waiting for your um, children to grow up and get past that self-entitlement attitude they have. You know, you're just sort of waiting and waiting and waiting. Do you know, I read a statistic this week, that you spend six months of your life waiting at a red light. Six months of your life. And 
when it goes green, if you don't move off the blocks in two seconds, the person behind you turns red. But then when you think about it, why is it that you admire patience in a person behind you, but you don't admire patience in the person in front of you with the red light, right, when it goes green? Inactivity. We don't like to wait. Now, these four, they sort of flow in two categories. They flow in the categories of uh, times of testing of our patience with other people, but also times of testing our patience with God. And I more identify the first three as issues of testing my patience with other people and a lot of times the inactivity as my patience with God. But you can also be impatient with people as, as well. I understand that for their inactivity. All right. So you got something that bugging you right now. You're impatient about something you're thinking that you got that. See, these messages don't help you walking through the summer unless you identify with this is me. I don't think any one of us in this room have a problem identifying with this is me. Well, I, I have this tendency to just want to grab my remote up here and click that thing. So so this is what I'd like to do. I'd like to talk about towards becoming a more patient person. Hebrews 12 passage, you may be familiar with it. It's a list of great saints, followers of God, right? It says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside the throne, beside God's throne. I am uh, continually... Um, reworking in my own life uh, my disposition, my thinking about certain things. And as I got around this patience subject this week, I kept thinking in terms of patience being a passive thing. I just need to slow down, chill down, calm, right? And, and there's that aspect to it. But patience biblically is actually very active. It's active. If you have King James Version, that sentence, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us, they translate it, let us run with patience the race God has set before us. Most translations, though, uh, uh, translate the Greek word as endurance. And endurance to me has a different kind of flavor to it than the sense of just passively sitting back and being patient and waiting. Endurance is something I'm actually engaging in. You know, and taking the initiative on. And so with the term of patience and the God who dwells within you, do not think in terms of patience as you just needing to chill out and let things happen or wait the next turn. All right. Patience is an endurance and it's something that builds within you. Patient people are actually mature people. This is the first thing I want to state regarding patience. It's this. You got it there? Patience, we need to acknowledge Christ as our source of strength. We need to acknowledge Christ as our source of strength. It says this in Colossians 
May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Strengthened is right. Because if you're a patient person, you are a strong person. You are not a weak person. Now, we may perceive, um, you know, patience as, as more of a weakly kind of thing and not forthright, but it's actually great maturity and great strength. And what this is saying here, you need to be strengthened with the power. And where is the power for your patience from? It's in his glorious might. It's in the Christ who dwells within you that wants to live through you. If you want to have greater patience, then you're going to lean into his strength. You're acknowledging your source of strength is coming from Christ himself. But not only is it saying here, according to his glorious might in the sense of, hey, that's where your patience is. It's the idea that it's your faith in him that's going to be the channel for which you have patience for whatever you're up against in life. I, I really need a job change. I need to... Um, discover, you know, something fresh and new for me in my life. I need to be able to um, just wait this out and see if my kid sort of makes the turn. Or maybe you're, you're looking for a spouse. Or maybe you're uh, hoping that God brings you, you know, it gives you the gift of children in your life. Or maybe, I don't know what the issue is that you're needing patience with. But you're going to need the patience that comes from Christ, not just determined self-will, I'm going to suck it up, I'm going to willpower, I'm okay, I'm going to do okay, I'm going to distract myself. You need to be active in your faith and say the Christ that dwells within you, he has the patience and he's going to bring this about because, guess what? God loves you and has a more incredible plan for your life and purpose for your life than anything you can try to comprehend. You need to lean into Jesus as your source of strength. Acknowledge where your faith is. Acknowledge that your faith is going to actually be a channel, a conduit through which you can find that strength. The next is this. Develop an other-centered perspective. I like this one because this one helps me a lot. Develop an other-centered perspective. The reality is impatience comes Mostly from selfishness. You are myopic. Always like that word, myopic. I got blinders on. This is all I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about me, myself, and I. Oh, there's a whole world around me. There's other people that have their needs too. I need to develop an other center perspective from everything that I'm doing. The other center perspective... Um, is not easy because we have needs, we have longings, we have issues, we have desires. And so to set those aside and first of all think about the other person's perspective on something is a challenge. You want to know how to be successful? I'll give you some ideas on this, all right? Successful as a husband or wife, then learn to see from your partner's perspective. Do you want to be successful as a parent? Then we've got to slow down and listen to our kids and learn to see things from our child's perspective. You want to be successful as a, a business person? Then learn to see things from the customer's perspective. You want to be successful as an employer? 
Learn to see things from an employee perspective. Don't be myopic in your own life, but see things from other people's perspectives and come around and grab a hold of how they see things. Now, this applies not only just with helping have patience with other people. It has to do with having patience with God. Do you know that God sees things that you don't see? Oh, yeah. He sits above time. He has a perspective that you and I do not have. We only have one viewpoint. He has the greater viewpoint. And so I'm developing an other-centered perspective, not just by seeing myself, excuse me, through the lens of how others are enduring things, and things, but I'm also seeing it through God's perspective, from his eternal perspective. Proverbs 19.11 says this, A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. In Proverbs 14.29, um, by the way, um, CSB, do you know what the version CSB is? Anybody? See, they know it. It's a new version that came out in March. But it's actually the Holman Christian Standard Bible and the new updated thing. They just dropped the Holman, so it's Christian Standard Bible. It's, it's very clear and accurate kind of thing. So if you ever see the CSB, it's not because I misspelled CBS or something, right? It's, it's CSB. Anyway, <laughs> that translation, a patient person shows great understanding, but a quick-tempered one promotes foolishness. And so this understanding... This wisdom that's going to come to you is going to come by getting outside of yourself and seeing things from another person. Do you know when you're waiting in a line at Chick-fil-A or In-N-Out Burger, wherever they have these long lines, do you know that the people that are in front of you that you think are being slow to order or whatever's happening or the people inside fixing the food, now both those places are pretty efficient, but do you know that their lives are as important as your life to God? And they have their own particular agendas going on that day. You think you're in a hurry? Have you ever thought to yourself, I wonder how much more of a hurry the person in front of me is than I am? How much more dire their situation is, right? You're learning to think in terms of the other person's perspective. When that child that you have been raising continues to have, whether it's a self-entitlement uh, or a self-righteousness kind of feel, you're like, okay, what is it that is in their life right now that's causing them to be anxious? And your answer a lot of times is sin. No, that's what I think sometimes. But I go, no, they uh, are wrestling with identity issues. The whole um, summer camp was about identity issues for our youth, right, and finding their identity in Christ and not foremostly in what other people are thinking. I need to climb into their perspective and see things. And from then, I start to develop wisdom. I start to gain understanding. And I'm not quick on the trigger. I'm more gracious. I'm more sensitive to people when I climb into their world and understand what's happening with them. You know, patience is a mark of maturity with a young uh, child. You know, they're not very patient. Me, mine, I want that now. Feed me. I'm hungry. All that kind of thing. And they've not learned to understand that, that patience is it's not saying no. Sometimes it's just a not yet. And God's trying to teach you and I that there's some things that we want to see settled right now in our life. But God's saying not yet. And he's teaching us maturity in that. But we're like little babies sometimes, little preschoolers crying, I want that! <laughs> And, and God just must smile and go, I know you want that. 
but I have a bigger perspective. And we need to climb into his heart and his understanding of things. Next is this, and this may not make sense to you, but uh, acquire a sense of situational humor. You ever laugh at your life and what's happening sometimes? And you go, that's just ridiculous. It's painful, but you're saying, that's just ridiculous. If you learn to laugh at your situations in life, you will be laughing your whole life long. Because you will have situations that when you step back from them and you look at them, it's like, no way. That's just amazing. I can't believe all this is happening to me at this same time. I mean, you had the dominoes just fall on you, one thing after another after another, you know. And you can make a list and you step back from the list and you go, that's just sort of hilarious. You know, that all this has happened to me. Take delight in some of the joy side of seeing your life from an objective perspective situational humor you know they say that people that grew up in uh, comedians a lot of times that uh, are really good they grew up in very dark and difficult kind of situations just because they learned how to laugh about their situations and what's going on abraham lincoln in fact was asked one how did he endure the civil war and all the stress from that and he says because of laughter he would choose to let humor and laughter give refreshment to him are you too serious are you too dogmatic and determined thing, maybe take a few steps back and observe it from a different kind of perspective and allow humor to come in. And I'm not trivializing things with that because I know there's some serious stuff that you're trying to be very, very patient on. So it's not like, hey, just, you know, uh, dust it underneath the rug or just blow it off. No, I'm not discrediting all that. But sometimes we do take all of life too serious and we need to step back and just see some of the laughter and the lighter side of it in life do you know there's actually a verse in the bible that says that god laughs psalm 2 4 the one enthroned in heaven laughs now it also says he mocks and he's very upset at people there but um, i remember reading c.s lewis once and he was saying one of the things that's really not described much about god in scripture is his myrrh his laughter, his lifeheartedness. And we have all these other depictions of what God's characteristics are. And C.S. Lewis's response to that was he said, you know the reason we don't is because it is so pure. It is so incredibly strong. It is so amazing that we can't comprehend his myrrh and his laughter. You laugh. You like humor. You like to maybe see the lighter sides of things. You were made in the image of God. Do you ever think of God just sitting back and laughing? You know, God's in control. He is sovereign. But sometimes because evils in our world and there is brokenness, God chooses not to act for our freedom. And because he's working through things, I understand that. But sometimes when God steps back and maybe he doesn't control things like you want him to control things and change things in your life, maybe he just has a smile on his face and a lightheartedness. It's like, wow, I can't believe that happened to them in one sense. I mean, he can believe. I know he's God, that kind of stuff. But do you see God taking delight and joy and even having rightful fun with your life? Wow, I can't believe 
that thing physically happened to me. I can't believe that my car broke down on the way to so-and-so. I mean, just step back. Take some delight and humor in your situations of life. And God, I think, enters into that sometimes with us. I remember seeing a picture of uh, Jesus with his disciples that was portrayed in a video production uh, called, uh, it was about um, the book of Matthew, and they were taking the words of Jesus. Matthew's the video Bible or something. And I have, I don't know, I saw this many, many years ago. It's Jesus with his disciples, Peter in particular. They are out standing underneath this huge waterfall that's coming off a cliff. And they are just having great delight. And there have been a bunch of guys messing around, and they're pushing each other in the water, and they're kidding each other. And I'm thinking, wow, I, do I really think of Jesus along the path with his 12 disciples doing guy stuff and ribbing each other and giving each other a hard time and throwing them into the water and just taking delight underneath a waterfall? What's my picture of Jesus? Do I see the light side the humor side, the myrrh side of God coming out through my Christ. The Jesus that you walk with in the midst of your situations right now that you're very impatient about, part of the journey may be that he just wants to take delight and joy with you and sit back and laugh about it. I don't know if that strikes you as a bizarre point to throw out on patience, but I know it helps me sometimes just to take some steps back, even when stuff's pretty serious. Wow, because he's a journeyman with me, and he takes great delight. Next uh, thing that I want to, uh, well, the verse with that, Proverbs seventeen twenty two says this, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. Next, open your heart to love more deeply. This is number four. Um, I have... Uh, been blessed to be able to help officiate at another family wedding next week. And that's good. I, 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 I've told you before, I have 18 nieces and nephews on my side, and, and one by one, they're all sort of getting married off, and I'm the pastor, sort of, so I'm always invited in to be a part of it, and who's to say no, right, kind of thing. So I'm actually not here next week, um, and um, but you can be here. We're still in the series next week. In fact, our uh, Mr. Greg England, I've asked him to teach. And he's going to take up the subject of kindness next week. So you can pray for Greg that he's kind this week as he teaches next week on kindness. How's that? Anyway, um, but I go back and uh, next uh, Saturday I have another uh, wedding to officiate at Indiana. I guarantee you that at this wedding I'll be using this verse again. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 as part of it. You're familiar with this passage. We talked about this the first week of our Fruit of the Spirit series. Love. Love. What is love? It's kind. It's not envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It protects. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. What a beautiful passage about love. But isn't it amazing that the first phrase describing what love is and I didn't include it, but I include it now. Love is patient. Patient. Right up front. 
If you're having a challenge in your life being patient with somebody or some inconvenience or some intrusion or whatever else is going on, lean back into this understanding that you will need more love in this situation. And love, as we talked about the first week, isn't a a warm, fuzzy feeling. Love is an act of the will. Think of one of the most annoying people in your life right now. You got them? And maybe they're in your life now. Maybe they used to be in your life and you moved away or they moved away or they were in college or something like that. An annoying person. And you tried to avoid them. It's like, oh, I don't want to pay my paths cross, right? Well, in that particular moment, what you have to choose is not to get a cynical attitude, which we all get, and just try to stay. I'm going to walk the other direction when they're walking my direction. Maybe you just need to recalibrate your understanding of love and not love them forever, but just love them for one day. And if I'm going to love them for one day, it's going to be an act of my will, and I'm going to try to see things from their side of life, and it's going to hopefully develop within me patience because love is patient. And many times with the um, abrasive relationships that we have that we need patience with. And it it may be a friend. It may be a parent. It may be another family member. I don't know who it is. Lean in with more of an open heart to love them more deeply. It's so easy just to mark people off. and like, forget this person, forget that person. But if I'm going to choose, okay, how do I love them? And love is an action. It's not just a feeling, right? Feelings can come, but I am going to be lovingly towards them. So love is patient. And then love is kind. And that's for next week with Mr. England. So there you go. How about that? I want to um, make mention of Ephesians 4 as well. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults. Why? Why be patient with each other? Because of your love. And then the last one is this. Yield to dependence upon the Lord Jesus. I like Psalm 37. Psalm 37, it's a great context for all this as we bring it back together because what this is doing is coming really back around to the main point of one of finding acknowledging your source of strength is in Christ Jesus and faith in him. Psalm 37:3 says this, trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. He will make your uh, innocence radiate like the dawn and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. And then verse 7, be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently, wait patiently for him to act. Yield to dependence upon the Lord Jesus. Think about some of the people in Scripture. Noah, how many years did Noah wait? 120 years for the flood. Patiently waiting on God. Abraham, he waited for a hundred years to have a child. And Moses, we looked at Moses and the act of, uh, that he had in striking the rock. But overall, Moses pretty patient. Forty years in the desert, waiting for God to use him. And then another forty years in the desert, um, 
with the people walking to the promised land and the route that they ended up having to go. Think about um, the Holy Spirit uh, coming upon the disciples. They had to go into the upper room and they had to wait. Friends, patience and waiting on God is a part of your character building. It's a great virtue to have. But patience is an active thing that God's doing to build endurance and perseverance in your life to make you strong. See, a lot of times we think um, that uh, impatient people, impatient people that can be loud and boisterous, like they start bossing you around or things aren't aligning to my schedule or here's circumstances that need to change. But when I see somebody that's impatient, they may sound strong, but to me they look weak. Is my impatience, God, reflective of me being weak? And if so, then I need your strength. And I need to trust in the Lord. I need to take delight in the Lord. I need to commit everything to the Lord. And then I'm going to have endurance. I'm going to wait patiently and be still in the presence of God. There are some things for some of you here in this room, you have been waiting years and years and years to see changed. You're just hoping you don't have to be Noah or Abraham. You continue to wait patiently. It's not a passive, weak indifference. It's a source of strength to wait and endure for what God is going to bring about in his time and his way. And sometimes he doesn't give us his desires. Sometimes he changes our desires. Sometimes he withholds things because we don't see the things from his perspective. But you and I, if we're to grow strong in Christ, then this whole subject of patience has to be front and center. It's not just something that's passive. And you will be highly esteemed before God and I believe others when you are seen as a very patient, enduring. You know what another word for patience is? Long-suffering. Another one is forbearance. And maybe those words have more meat to the character of what God wants you to be. So those are the five points. They're listed here. We can go to that next slide. They play into becoming a more patient person. I want to pray for us. Jesus, in this room, at this moment, some people aren't happy with this talk because they're impatient with what's been going on or maybe they're impatient to even get out of the room. Jesus, I pray that your strength through them would buoy them up in this fruit of the Spirit and they would be a more patient person. Whether it's interruptions, inconveniences, inactivity, whatever it may be, God, may they be a more patient person concerning that which stands before them or what may be something way off in the distance that doesn't seem to be coming their way. And Lord, may they operate the muscle of faith and may through the faith they channel your strength. So Lord, you know the needs that are represented here. And as we said at the outset, people need you, Jesus. And so, Lord, may they find in you the source of all strength and patience as they acknowledge you, as they seek to look from a different perspective from another person's life to be able to have more understanding. Lord, as they just sort of gain a sense of your myrrh and your laughter, situational humor, Lord, may it come to them in an appropriate measure in an appropriate place and time. 
Lord, may you enable them to not only acknowledge you, but to yield to you. To open their hearts to be more loving towards those who are unlovable. And that they, through daily being still and waiting on you, will find your patience.